Mary stood without at the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, but I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and say to them, I ascend to my father, and to your father, to my God, and to your God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. On the Unchanging Word Bible Study, Dr. Mitchell will be speaking about Mary Magdalene. We are in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 13. And here we see Mary weeping in sorrow when two angels ask her a question. And then she turns to see someone else, who then asks her two more questions. And she responds by not answering these questions, but asking where he had put the body of Jesus. And then Jesus himself speaks her name, and immediately she recognizes his voice. Dr. Mitchell brings out the fact that we who know Jesus as Savior are joined to a risen Savior. From now on, we do not know Jesus according to the flesh per se, but we know the Lord Jesus Christ who is risen, ascended to his Father and our Father, to his God and our God, and now glorified at God's right hand. Well, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 13 with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. We again come to you, and for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to the program and trust that the Spirit of God may make very precious and very real to you the wonderful story of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in the 20th chapter of the Gospel through John, we're dealing here with the risen Savior. And may I again repeat what I have said before in our last lesson. The cross of Christ is the greatest tragedy ever enacted on earth if there is no resurrection. The cross is a real tragedy without resurrection. We have no Savior, no Lord, if he's not raised from the dead. But if our Savior be raised from the dead, then we have the wonderful assurance of salvation, of life, and all that we have in Christ Jesus. Now we're dealing with the Lord's appearing unto Mary. 
and you're in the first 18 verses. And you remember that Mary, according to Mark 16, she was the first one to whom the Lord appeared. And we were dealing in this passage uh, with Peter and John, their experience at the tomb, and we were dealing with Mary, and she's weeping. And now allow me to go back to verse 11, if I may, and pick up the connection from where we had in our last lesson. Mary stood without at the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Let me just stop here for a moment or two. You remember we were discussing the fact that Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping. Peter and John had come and had gone away. But Mary still stopped there. She still stayed there. She was full of love for the Savior. And she's not going to be satisfied until she sees him, meets him. And you know, it puts us to shame when we think of the devotion of this woman for the Savior. You remember she was one out of whom the Lord had cast seven demons. And here she is, full of devotion to the Lord. In verse 2 and in verse, you remember verse 13, to the disciples, Peter and John, she said, they've taken away the Lord. See, she was one with them. But when she saw the angel, she said, they've taken away my Lord. Again, I repeat it, dear Mary is not going to be sidetracked even by angelic beings. All she wants is the body of her Savior. She was seeking a dead Christ. And she had a right to weep, by the way. She had a right to weep if Jesus was not raised from the dead. If he's still in the tomb, if he's still dead, if he's been carried away by somebody, she's got a right to weep. And believe me, my friend, you and I have a right to weep if Jesus be not raised from the dead. Oh, that I could make this clear to your heart. We're dealing with the most fundamental, foundational truth of our Christian faith. If Christ be not raised from the dead, we are yet in our sins. Now along came the Savior. And you remember, the Lord said in verse 15, Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? And she thought he was the gardener, the one in care of that garden. Said, Sir, if you've taken his body away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll go and get him. And Jesus just said one word, Mary. You know, these are the first words that the Lord said after resurrection. Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? As I said a moment ago, Mary's devotion just puts us to shame. 
Many of us Christians do so little for the Lord. We say so little. We serve so little. We give so little. I'm reminded of what Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, or verse 13 and 14. If we be beside ourselves, it's to God. If we're sober, it's for your cause, for the love of Christ overmasters us. Friend, does the love of Christ overmaster you? I've oftentimes said it's not, the marvelous thing is not that we love the Savior. The most wonderful thing is that he should even love us. But if he's not a living Christ, how can he love us? Woman, what are you weeping for? Whom are you seeking? Now, I don't think that Mary expected to see the Lord alive. And she is blinded by her tears. Why didn't she know him? People ask the question, why didn't Mary know Jesus? She's followed him. She's been with him. Why didn't she know him? Well, look at it very rationally. She didn't expect to see the Lord alive. She was looking for a dead body, not a living Jesus. Furthermore, she was sobbing. She was blinded by her tears. She was all wholly occupied with her thoughts. Now, it may be, as we have in Luke 24, 16, where the Lord, you remember, um, caused the eyes of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He caused them to behold, and that is, they couldn't see. It may be true here, but I'm of the persuasion that, that dear Mary was so full of her thoughts of the Savior, maybe she didn't even look up, that her head was down, she was sobbing. And this voice said, whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Why are you weeping? Sir, sir, if you've taken away the body of my Lord, tell me where he is. I'll go and get him. I'll go and get him. And the Lord just said one word, Mary. Ah, oh, that was enough. You know, you know, no one can say that like the Lord Jesus. He just said, Mary, and she turned herself. That means I think her back was to him. She turned herself and she said, Rabboni, Master. Oh, the despair was given over to, uh, to pure joy. What a transformation. I tell you, my friend, only meeting the Savior can dry your tears. That's enough, Mary. Mary, when Jesus speaks, he brings peace. When Jesus speaks, he does exactly what he says. Mary, Mary. Just the way he said that, Mary. Rabboni, Rabboni, Master. Transformation. Then, my friend, how do you respond to that? Some of us, you know, we take the precious truth Sure, we believe in the resurrection of the Savior. Sure, we believe he burst the bands of the tomb and that he's raised from the dead, exalted to be a prince and a Savior. We can go down the doctrine of the resurrection. But is it a reality in your own life? Is it a reality in your own life? Is your life transformed? Mary is transformed. Raponi, master. What do you say? Tears are gone. She's full of joy. And, she, and she, then she wanted to cling to him. I can understand that. She went to see a dead Christ. He's living. Mary. She just turned and said, Wait a minute, Mary. Wait a minute, Mary. Touch me not. Touch me not. I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say, I ascend to my father and your father and so on. 
Touch me not. Don't cling to me now. That's what he really says. You see, Mary wanted him as she had seen him in the flesh. And she wanted to lay hold of him. No, 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 said Jesus. We're in a new relationship now. A new relationship. If any man be in this risen Christ, he's a new creation. Oh, how glad I am. He's a, he's a, he makes us new men and women. Don't touch me. You see, Mary, Mary was reaching out to lay hold of him as she knew him before the cross. After resurrection, our Lord is an entirely different relationship. You remember to the women, he said, touch me, touch me. We're going to find it in this chapter where he says to Thomas, touch me. Yet as far as I know, our Lord didn't go home to glory for 40 days. According to the book of Acts, he was 40 days with his disciples after resurrection until he was taken away. He was 40 days instructing them in the kingdom of God. See, with a new relationship. Isn't it wonderful that when you and I accept the Savior, we're transformed from children of wrath into children of God, and we're, we're joined to a risen Savior. You and I are not joined to the one who walked the earth as such. As Paul could say in Corinthians 5, we know no man after the flesh, even though we have known Christ after the flesh. From now on, know we him no more. Why? Because we've been joined to a risen, exalted Savior. Oh, friend, we're joined to the one who has burst the bands of the tomb. We're joined to the one who came forth in resurrection. And please let me tell you, that stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let us look in and see that it's empty. See that it's empty. I wonder how much we love the Savior. I wonder how much we love the Savior. When I think of this dear Mary, it always gets a hold of my heart. Here's a woman totally, absolutely devoted to the Savior. I think of the Apostle Paul, absolutely, completely devoted to the Savior. And God is looking for men and women today who are absolutely, completely devoted to the Savior. God could send Paul, for example, into the city of Ephesus, and the great center of Ephesus was the temple of Diana. And while he was there, he said, I've got many adversaries. He could say, if after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. And he's not talking about men and women. He's talking about real beasts. The Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion. Three times received I forty stripes, save one. A death sentence. Because he loved the Lord. I count everything but loss just to know him. God's looking for men and women today who are just like that. Who are absolutely, passionately in love with a Savior. Not a dead Savior, a risen Savior. And just as he said to Mary, and the way he could say that, Mary, Mary was immediately transformed. Two angels, two holy angels didn't transform her. Beholding angels... It's not going to affect Mary. No, sir, she's not going to be sidetracked by holy angels. And all the Lord needs to say is Mary. Oh, friend, listen, how much are you, and I talk to you Christians, how much of you, how much are you devoted to the Savior? I'm not asking you how much devotion you have for your local church or for, or for some special doctrine or for anything else. I'm asking you, 
Where does the person, this risen, glorified Savior, who put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, who burst the bands of the tomb, what place does he have in your life and my life? Friend, I tell you very frankly, there's nothing in this old world, no experience on earth that's comparable to this life in a risen, glorified Savior. If he's not raised from the dead, we ought to weep. We ought to weep. We ought to sob. But he says, Mary. And do you know? Do you know, friend, he knows you by name. As John chapter 10 says, our Lord puts his sheep before him and he calls them, he knows them by name. He knows your name. He knows my name. Are you on intimate terms with him? He knows your name. Just like he knew Mary. Mary. And I say, no one takes the place of, except our Savior in the heart of one like Mary, devoted to the Lord, Mary, intimacy, relationship. So she goes on to say in verse 17, touch me not, I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, notice it, notice it, I ascend to my father and to your father. I ascend to my God and your God. Mary, I'm giving you a new responsibility. You go and tell my brethren. He didn't say, go and tell my disciples. You go and tell my brethren. Here's a change. Here's a new relationship. That's why I said a while ago, he said to Mary, don't touch me. Mary wanted to lay hold of him as he was before the cross. And the Lord wants you to know we're in a new relationship now. And you go and tell my brethren. Do you ever notice it? Before the cross, they were his disciples. He called 12, made them his disciples. In John 15, 15, he calls them friends. That's intimacy. But now he talks about a new relationship. Go and tell my brethren I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Oh, this wonderful relationship. That's what you have in Hebrews chapter 2. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 to 12? Do you remember it says there, we, in verse 9, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for everyone. For behold him, by whom are all things, and by whom are all things made, to bring many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Not that we are ashamed to call him brother. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Like you have in Hebrews eleven sixteen, And God is not ashamed to be called their God. Not that we are ashamed of God. God's not ashamed of us. Why? He sees us in this risen, glorified Christ. At the cross, he said, it's finished. Sin, iniquity was put away by the sacrifice of himself. He's purged us, cleansed us from all sin. We stand in the presence of God in all the righteousness of his Son, and he is not ashamed to be called our God. And Jesus is not ashamed to, to call us brethren. Now, let me give a word of warning here. You know, I, I, I've heard people talk about this. I sincerely hope, my Christian friend, and I talk to you Christians, if you love the Savior, 
Don't call him Brother Jesus, will you? Don't call him Brother Jesus. He, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. Mary said, Rabboni, Master. Go and tell my brethren. Don't you call him Brother Jesus. I've heard people say that. I confess to you, it puts the chills down my back. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's the Lord Jesus. The cults call him Jesus. Different ones call him Jesus. If you're a Christian, you put your trust in him. He's Lord Jesus. I remember a great Bible teacher from America having some conference in England. Now on the way, on the way to the ship after a breakfast meeting, this, this teacher had been speaking about Jesus. And on the way down to the ship at Southampton, Sir Robert Anderson of Scotland Yard, a wonderful Christian man, said to this Bible teacher, Sir, may I say a word to you? This morning you were speaking about Jesus. Now I know what you meant. But he said, you know, many of the cults call him Jesus. Call him Jesus. Sir, would you mind calling him Lord Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus? True, his earthly name was Jesus. And God has given him a name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. But every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May we say with that love for him, like Mary said, Rabboni, Master. And now she's got a responsibility. You go and tell my brethren, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And you remember the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church in his prayer, talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder of wonders, what amazing grace. He not only saves us, cleanses us, forgives us, but brings us into a relationship. He's my father. I mean, he's family. A relationship of one family. And God is not ashamed to be called their God. And our Savior is not ashamed to call us brethren. Of course not. He's not ashamed of the work which he has accomplished. He is not ashamed of the salvation he gives to us. He's not ashamed of the one he's, ones whom he saves and justifies and eventually is going to glorify. Friend, where does Jesus Christ stand in your heart? Maybe I'm talking to some unsafe person today. Let me say, my friend, we offer you not just one who was crucified, but one who was glorified, one who has burst the bounds of the tomb, holds on his girdle the keys, the authority of death and of hell, and he guarantees that if you will put your trust in him as your savior, he guarantees you eternal life. He guarantees you to be a member of the family of one who is God. And he joins you to himself and makes you one with himself. Is that worth having? Is that worth having? You mean to tell me, sir, it's for me? You don't know who I am. No, but God does. And if you're a sinner, if you're a sinner, he came into the world to save sinners. All he asks of sinners to put their trust in him. I guarantee you'll pass from death to life. How do I know? 
because Jesus Christ has put away your sins, guarantees it through resurrection, and will bring you into this new relationship, this new relationship as the family of God, children of one who is God. As dear John could write in 1 John chapter 3, the first verse, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And we are, and we are. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Dear child of God, fall in love with the Savior. May your devotion to him be absolutely perfect and complete. And the Lord bless you for his name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.